This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast if you like the show. Five bucks a month, you get a bonus episode, ad-free episodes, all that good stuff. And Jessica has announcements. Announcements, announcements, announcements. Hey. Was that what your high school did or just mine? No, just you. Okay, um, so this coming Tuesday, if you are in the Missoula, Montana area, um, I will be there um, at the Iron Horse Bar at 6 p.m. on February 1st. Um, we're going to have a small meetup. It looks like there's going to be like me, my husband, and like three people, so it should be very chill. Other podcasts go on tours to like arenas <laughs> arenas feels like a lot but <laughs> like chicago theater for sure yeah no i do just like private appearances <laughs> for zero dollars and then Same really thing. enjoy it because i'm an egomaniac it works. apparently anyway also it's not up yet as of this recording, but um, I was a guest on the uh, podcast Will and Grace and Vodka. <laughs> um, listener, so Carolyn, I have um, brought up before because we have like a weird tie in that she coordinated the wedding that I officiated of my best friends. And then later I posted, a, she separately started listening to the podcast. And like two years Aww. later, I posted a picture from the wedding. And she was like, I was at that wedding and we were like, oh, we talked for like a half hour. So we've just like been in touch ever since she lives um, in in the city. But anyway, so she drove all the way out here, um, brought two bottles of wine. We recorded for three hours. She said she's going to. Very impressive. Yeah. She said she's going to edit it down to 45 minutes, but it was a blast. People Um, edit podcasts. I know that's when I told her that we fully do not edit anything. She was like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. (laughs) (laughs) That's why everything we say is solid gold. Uh, (laughs) I can see him and be annoyed when we have to like cut something out. He's like, oh, that's gonna be an extra four minutes of work for me. (laughs) I hate this game. (laughs) Um, If anyone's interested, if you listen to the thinking atheist with Seth Andrews, I was on there this week with several other people to talk about the only sky network, which is, a new blogging, multimedia, all sorts of things where I'm writing for them, but there's also dozens and dozens of other people. If you want to know more about it, you could check that out at The Thinking Atheist. So I was thinking, uh, let's start, even though it's not directly connected to all the stuff we do, uh, with the Supreme Court. So Stephen Breyer's retiring. Yeah, that was interesting news. He finally took the hint. Yeah, he took the hint, finally. He's going to retire. Let's assume, which is a big assumption, that he does get replaced by someone who arguably is going to be more liberal than he ever was, even though he's one of the three liberals still on the court. It still maintains a 6-3 super majority, super conservative majority. Um, Conservative supermajority. There we go. Um, (laughs) So it doesn't change a lot, which... Might be a good reason, I mean, strategically, Uh for Republicans to just, like, tone down the volume because, you know, if you cry wolf at every single confirmation, it's going to get old. But if they're like, you know what, nothing's changing, yeah, we'll raise a fuss, but if she's already going to get confirmed because, like, the... uh, uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, the main contender, it looks like, uh-huh. already got confirmed by this Senate, like 53 to 47, with three Republicans and Manchinema. So if, like, if Did she's already... Manchinema? Is that what we're doing That's a now? thing now. Oh, um, no. Like, if she already, cute. If she's already going to get through, 
Sure. Then all the more reason to be like, all right, fine, I won't raise a fuss. I'll save it uh-huh. for like See, when we're, we're interested in bipartisanism. Right, exactly. So let's assume that happens. Does that change <clears throat> how this court deals with religious cases in front of them? Um, and part of me, like my gut instinct is, well, no, it's still going to be six to three. We're going to lose everything. Right. But keep in mind um, that uh, Stephen Breyer like the most famous church state thing he ever did uh-huh. is back in, I think 2005, there were those 10 commandment plaques, the mm-hmm. monuments mm-hmm. on courthouse grounds mm-hmm. and state Capitol grounds. And on the same day, there were two different five, four rulings that came out. And Breyer was the one who's like, you know what? In this case where it's a standalone 10 commandments monument outside of Kentucky, I'm going to say that one's illegal. But in Texas, where they also have like several mm. other monuments mm-hmm. to, and it's long standing, it's been there for a while, even if like the purpose was to push the Ten Commandments there. Sure. Uh, you know, it's been around for a while. So I'll let that sort of thing stay. Uh-huh. And of course, that's guided how Ten Commandments monuments of in course. public places work for yeah. a long time, which is all to, and by the way, Breyer has been pretty good. When it comes to religious freedom, First Amendment, church separation stuff since that time, um, he was against, uh, in Greece v. Galloway, he was against, like, prayers at city council meetings where they were exclusively Christian. Mm-hmm. And he said, you can't do that. He opposed, like, uh, public money being used for tax, uh, taxpayer money mm-hmm. being used to fund religious private schools. In recent cases, all of that's all well and good. Yeah. I have to assume if Biden elects, uh, nominates like a black woman with the contenders he's talking about, Mm -hmm. that's not going to change. If anything, it'll just get more solid on the church-state separation side. So that's good, I hope. I I mean, could we be surprised? I guess. Of course. But even all the people he's thinking about, they've always said and done the right things, it seems, Mm -hmm. when it comes to church-state separation. So... I am curious about how it's going to affect the Supreme Court just by merely having a black woman present. That is something I'm very, very curious about because it's the reason that the reason that representation matters is that we need people who have different points of view helping us make laws because obviously white men do not have the exact universal experience of every American. So I'm really interested if they are going to be a little more bashful about race issues you know i I, i'm just curious about it because like clarence thomas does not fight for people of color at all so like that is nothing that's like a nothing and his wife actively works with groups that make things worse for everyone as the report said last week right so i'm just very curious by the way but yeah i'm just curious if that will sort of shift people like i'm just thinking about all these old men who have never had to work closely with black women before amy coney barrett in the environment she grew up in her religious Mm -hmm. uh community that she lives in coming from i think indiana like i'm sure until law school until she was a professor Mm -hmm. and even then it's probably not a lot i'm sure the dynamic will change when you only have nine people and you swap one of them out for someone totally different yeah the dynamic's going to change Will it lead to any differences in the rulings? I doubt it. No. I doubt it. But um, I'm fine with the change. This is why I was like, should I talk about this here? Because as far as the dynamics go, it's uh, it, it'll 
they'll do whatever they got to do. Mike, the question I was thinking about is, does this change anything when it comes to church state issues? And the answer is, if it does, it's only in a good direction where you can always count on that person Mm -hmm. to support church state separation and hopefully not let religion be like a universal exemption to whatever everyone else wants to do. You would hope that's the case. I don't know that anyone could be persuasive to the point where they would get all these conservative justices to side with them because internally they're very persuasive. Like, no, we're long past the point where anyone thinks that's happening. Counterpoint, I was in the play 12 Angry Men, and so I know that it can take only (laughs) one person can change everybody's mind for the better. And that is a documentary. (laughs) I played juror number seven, the racist one. I'm very curious if, I don't think religion would come up in any of these hearings, but religious freedom as an issue probably Mm. would. Mm. And I don't know if there's anything they could say other than, yes, I support religious freedom. Yes, I support church-state separation. But even that, at this point, Republicans will try to use as some sort of like, well, if she supports church-state separation, Mm -hmm. that's just satanic. Is... Or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Oh, I completely lost my train of thought. But I hope go they ahead. just move quickly. Yeah. Nominate someone in a couple weeks. Yeah. Get it through in a month. That's what they said they're going to do. But yeah. of course, things always get held up. This just is. Just move it fast. Right. Let's move along to the next retirement. Are there, what I was going to ask is, are there any like people who are on the short list that you know of who are like big red flags that we should be concerned about? No. Or on either the, they're not going to be as liberal as we want them no. to be on the bench, or they're going to be too liberal for the Republicans to choke down. So that's the fear. Is someone going to have a record that is so easy to paint right. as an in, like left-wing extremist, by right. which they mean, like, I don't know, they use proper grammar and shit at this <laughs> point. And the answer is no. Like, even the top candidates... yeah. Again, you don't really get to weigh in on those issues at the courts that they're at. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to say, look, I don't care about my opinion here, but the higher courts told me I have to do this. Mm -hmm. That's a very typical uh, statement from a lot of judges. Mm -hmm. Um, And no, I haven't seen yet any red flags. You can bet the vetting will be hard. But here's the thing, and this is a big thing to point out. It's not like... Um, some justice just died and now you're suddenly starting from scratch saying, well, who could we nominate? Sure. It's been very clear for, I mean, Democrats have had at least four years and a pile up of potential Supreme Court justices mm-hmm. to look at ever since Obama. And so they've been sitting on like files with the best judges they could have on their side. Right. People who, at least in their public history and their work in the past, suggest they would be good, progressive, thoughtful justices. Man, if you, if, what are they going to miss in the vetting that only comes up after the nomination? That's the fear. And again, you're talking about people who, if, it's not, I doubt, like a Brett Kavanaugh thing is going to come up. Sure. And Amy Coney Barrett moved so fast that any criticisms people had, there was no time yeah. to even deal with them. So good. Just use that playbook. Go mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. Choose someone smart. Yeah. And make it, make it a quick thing. Choose so- somebody who is like between 25 and 30. I want I've whoever seen goes argument. on this, I want them to live for fucking ever. I think Jackson, the, the primary nominee here is like 51. And here's the thing. That is young for a Supreme Court nominee. Mm-hmm. 
but, but not raises, compared to. But it raises a fair point because if Republicans got another chance to appoint someone now, like you well, know, they're going for like the twenty-two-year-old like turning appoint point. A toddler, if they could, right. Right. I mean, strategically, just let someone else do yeah. the writing for you. Right. You burp your yeah. ascent and we're gaga. good. Here, put your mark. That is, yeah. <laughs> it's more eloquent than a lot of the stuff they've written. This is what I'm saying. Maybe it's so, not such a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope it works well. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I think the best thing Democrats can do, just move fast. Mm-hmm. You have plenty of good options. Just mm-hmm. move it along. Don't yeah. wait. I did appreciate that Breyer said, I'm retiring, assuming someone takes my spot by the end of this term. Is that the case? That was literally what his letter said. It's not like he said, I'm stepping down today. He said, I'll step down at the end of the term, which is in June. Okay. Assuming my replacement has been confirmed, which is smart. That's very smart. They've learned. Yeah. Democrats have learned. When is the last time? We had a justice retire when a Democrat was in office. When a Democrat was in office? Yeah. Um, shoot, now I got to Who think. did Obama appoint? Obama, Sotomayor, who Sotomayor did she replace? Sotomayor and Kagan. Um, Kagan. Do you know off the top of your uh, head, or is this a Christ. stupid thing to bring up when we no, don't edit not. this podcast? I know, and we don't do research <laughs> on pop questions. <laughs> um, I'm sure if you give me a bit, I'll figure it out. But um, it's been a while. Like They've had time to think about Breyer's retirement, is the yes. point to make. Like, this is not a surprise. I, I, again, I, I know we brought this up. Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have done it. Uh. Didn't. Screwed things up. And at least now we, we're learning. <sighs> yeah. So, anyway. Let me jump to... Uh, I'm debating which of these stories I want. Oh, Jerry Falwell Jr. Why is he back in the news this week? Why is he back in the he news this week? He is back because since his sex scandals, plural... Uh, he's kind of been out of the spotlight with the exception of a bunch of lawsuits. So just to give everyone the quick refresher on things, this is the guy who ran Liberty University for many years. It was the school his daddy, Jerry Falwell, founded. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Falwell Jr. kind of ran the ship for several years, turned it into, uh, a, as far as online education Rifty universities go. Uh-huh. He turned it into like a powerhouse to the point where it's a billion dollar empire on its own. Um, and also, it, a lot of, he made athletics a big deal at Liberty to the mm. point where they were recruiting top uh, top high school players. Oh, those poor kids. And, and <laughs> That's lot, not someplace you want to go by accident. And, a, and not only did some of those teams do pretty well, like you had. Liberty teams winning mm-hmm. NCAA basketball games. You had them winning some, uh, was it football? It might be. But they, they were <laughs> winning in some sports. But then after everyone found out Falwell was racist, uh, a bunch of those Which athletes. we were all shocked so by. Shocking. Yeah, a bunch of those athletes quit. And they're like, I didn't realize this is what I was stepping into, which it's like, <laughs> oh, you people don't do any research into these schools. Cause, and why would you? They gave you a scholarship. Of course you go there, but still. Um, so anyway, he led to that happening. He very much turned Liberty into a like arm of the Republican Party. Mm. Ted Cruz announced that he was running for president there. And mm. then very quickly, Jerry Falwell Jr. is like, Donald Trump, I'll support you. Uh, that's where Donald Trump made his uh, two Corinthians speech. Oh, my God. That two was Liberty. And of course, all of this came crashing down, this empire that Falwell built. 
Uh, after he posted a weird picture of himself with his fly unzipped and his belly out because he was imitating, what was it, Trailer Boys? Trailer uh, Park. Who cares? Uh, thing. He liked photos of young women on campus wearing, like, not-so-Christian poses. He posted a racist tweet about the governor of Virginia wearing blackface. Mm-hmm. He called a parent dummy after who, after the I parent forgot the dummy thing. like, why are you keeping school fun. open in the middle of COVID? And Fall was like, you dummy. dummy. Uh, he censored the school's journalists. He, oh, and by the way, after he got fired from Liberty, which uh-huh. we'll talk about in a second, um, he fell down the stairs because he got hammered and that <gasps> led to a 911 call. So he got, he had to resign. He was forced to resign from Liberty because uh, last year, was it last year? I, time means nothing now. But <laughs> um, a while back, it turned out like a pool boy that he, Jerry Falwell and his wife Becky, mm-hmm. met at a resort in Florida one time, a long time ago. It turns out Becky and the pool boy were doing each other. Yay. And allegedly Jerry Falwell Jr. is watching them from a corner. Sexual intrigue. Yeah. Um, which, as we've said before... If he weren't the president of Liberty University, I would not care. But this is Liberty, a school where, like, if you kiss your significant other on campus Mm -hmm. and you're not married, you've committed a grave violation. Mm. And if you're gay and in a relationship, you're banned. You're kicked. You're expelled. I mean, well, unless you're abstinent, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone's abstinent. Oh, good point. Unless they're not. Uh Uh-huh. Which which they would never do that, right? (laughs) Yeah. So all of that got exposed. Falwell the became... The answer was John Paul Stevens. Thank you. Um, Falwell became, like, in the news because he tried denying the sex story, and then he admitted it. Then he said it was Becky's yeah. fault she had an affair. Like, it was just oh, drama. So beautiful. The finger the pointing. Oh, they just burnt the place down around them, huh? It was a good time if you're a blogger. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> so, after all that happens... Falwell leaves. He files a defamation lawsuit against Liberty. How dare you mm. sully my good name? It's like, dude, dude. It's my right to get fallen down <laughs> drunk. Um, though Some of those lawsuits are still going on. I think with the defamation case, he filed the lawsuit. Then he said, all right, fine, we're, we, we'll settle it. <laughs> and then he refiled it. And that's still in court. I don't know. It's all lawsuits for like the past year. But... I bring all this up because this week in Vanity Fair, Gabriel Sherman, one of their reporters, political reporters, did a lengthy profile after eight months of talking to the Falwells. Okay. Basically saying, what the hell happened with you? Mm -hmm. And there were, uh, how much news breaks in one article in a sense? Like, because... Falwell's whole thing is, let me try to give you some background uh, about where I'm coming from and all this. context for my misdeeds. Yeah. And there's no real context to what happened here. But some of the, I think the biggest bombshell that came from the story is he kind of, Jerry Falwell Jr. basically says he w- never really was into the Christianity thing as far as it goes on campus. He ran Liberty University. Uh-huh. He was the Christian nationalist sort of ringleader here. Uh-huh. But as far as promoting Jesus and stuff, not yeah. really his priority. And he's admitting that here. I'll that try guy's that. had it too good for too long. <laughs> um, I want to find the... Yeah, here's what he said. He basically said his father, obviously a big on religion and religious movements and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, he made... 
Jerry Falwell Jr.'s brother take over like the church side of things. And he made Jerry Falwell Jr., who had a more business savvy mind, Mm -hmm. the head of Liberty. So they went their separate paths. And Jerry Falwell Jr. is like, yeah, my brother's like the religious dude, the Uh, one who leads the church, who wants to win you over to Jesus. mm -hmm. He's Jerry Falwell's like, I'm the money guy. Here's what he actually said. It's almost like I didn't have a choice in going down this path. Because of my last name, people think I'm a religious person, but I'm not. My goal was to make them realize I was not my dad. Is he coming out as an atheist? So he's not. And this was a fair question to ask. Like, what does that mean? I'm not the religious one. He has since, I think today, Thursday, he issued a like statement on Instagram Uh where he's basically saying to just follow up on a lot of things I'm hearing online. I just want to reiterate, I'm paraphrasing here. He's like, look, I accept Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Mm. I am a Christian in every sense of the word. But if you're saying, like, my goal in life is to be, like, a missionary, is to recruit and evangelize, sure. that's not who I am, mm-hmm. which no one was ever mistaking <laughs> him for, to be clear. Yeah, we know, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's just not the conservative Christian who wants to lead revivals. Uh-huh. He'll just leave it to his brother. So that was an interesting uh, development there. Huh. Also, here is another interesting one. Becky Falwell, the wife... Mm-hmm. Because she's at the center of the story, too. By the way, I, was, I found it intriguing, the entire long Vanity Fair story. I don't think it covered the fact that outside of the pool boy, there were also allegations that she basically seduced her son's, son's bandmate yeah, yeah. in their barn or something. Yeah, that that's didn't, fucked. That didn't come up at all. Yeah. But here's the thing she said that I found intriguing. It's like, so how did you get involved in all this scandalous stuff? Uh-huh. Because she does come from a religious family. And I mean, not that Falwell's wasn't, but like her parents are like, don't date that. Or, or maybe it was the other way around. But like, these were not people who should have been together. Yeah. But they went uh-huh. to a Christian school together. They, they fell in love. So be it. All right, whatever. Here's what she said. She said that when he became, when Jerry became president of Liberty University, so now he's in the profile and he's in the spotlight. Uh He has a higher profile. And now she's not just a wife behind the scenes. Mm. She's on campus. She's on stage. She's doing their convocations and speaking in front of these people. She's like, I need to be a more, I'm I'm using this phrase, like a model trophy wife. Mm -hmm. Like I got to look good for the cameras now. And she said... Uh, so she, I think she said she got a personal trainer at the time, started working out. Like, she starts looking good. And here's what she said. It was more confusing for Becky, this is from Vanity Fair, after she walked around Liberty's campus and noticed boys noticing her. Mm. They would give me attention that I'd never gotten before. Oh, hi. Because uh, they got married when uh, I think they tr- she turned 20. So, like... <laughs> They never really had a chance to date, uh, meet other people, whatever. She couldn't suppress the nagging feeling that having wed young, she had missed an entire chapter of adulthood. I didn't have a college life, she Mm -hmm. said, as she recalled the circumstances that led to what she called the biggest regret I've ever had, which is the pool boy in Nigeria. But, like, part of me, I mean, part of me wants to sympathize with the you were raised in a fundamentalist Christian environment and you married young. So, of course, you haven't had sex with other people. Sure. Of course, you've been suppressing all your fantasies forever. Right. Um, I get that. And I've criticized it when, like, YouTubers and uh, TikTok people promote that same sort of mentality. Right. But also, this isn't... 
the problem isn't that she wanted to live out these fantasies or something. It's that they were hypocrites when it comes to what Liberty students can do versus what they do. Right. It's that, allegedly, she seduced this kid on campus, even if he was of legal age. It's all of that. Like, the way you're going about living out your fantasies here is not healthy and good and decent for anybody here. Right. And I think it's just important to always remember that, like, yeah, she didn't... From what I can tell, maybe I'm wrong. It sounds like she didn't do anything illegal. No. But... No. I think it's important that we shed light on these things because we, like, Christians are so fucking judgmental and expect everybody else to hold themselves to these very high standards when very frequently they themselves can't do it. Yeah, that's the takeaway I had from that, too. Right. Which is, I think they were willing to do this interview. Again, they spoke with Sherman for, like, eight months. Months. Leading up to this one article And the only reason you do that sort of thing, especially if you're in the position he's in, is because you're hoping uh, people can get a second look at you Mm -hmm. and you can have a fresh start in a sense when you've been brought down by scandal. I remember uh, Ted Haggard, the pastor who was at one time like the most prominent white Christian nationalist evangelical in the country. Uh And then, oh, the gay male escort that he's been sleeping with Mm, and meeting up with. I forgot about that Went public with that. Like, he disappeared off the face of the mm-hmm. earth for a while. You probably, if you're listening, it's like, where is he Yeah, now? I the haven't answer, heard of him. The answer is a he's long time. running a little church in Colorado. It, it's not as big as the one he used to lead. Hmm. He's still doing it. They put out YouTube videos every week. There's run-of-the-mill Christian preaching. It's not even that scandalous or yeah. like that fire and brimstone It's just, yeah, okay, it's... A, it's on not even on my radar and now we don't have to like see his fucking face on tv anymore (laughs) yeah um he did an interview like this one for i forgot which outlet it was for maybe esquire or something but it also happened like a year after the scandal where he's just trying to tell his side of the story maybe hoping people will have some compassion for him right and the end result is nope no one really (laughs) feels bad for you because you brought this on yourself. Right. Because the issue isn't that you're gay. It's not that you were seeing an escort or something. And in the case of Falwell, it's, I don't care what kinks you have. I don't care about the pool boy thing. It's the hypocrisy. And you chose to do this thing in your private life Mm -hmm. that if a student did anything even close to it, you would have expelled them. And by the way, we've talked about, there are lawsuits at Liberty mm-hmm. University from a lot of women who said, we're not safe on campus. We've been sexually assaulted yep. and Falwell didn't do anything yep. about, or at least his administration didn't. That's the thing that they don't seem to want to take serious responsibility for. Mm-hmm. Like that's my takeaway from all of this. They're looking for the, have some pity on us, right. have some compassion for what we've been through. But you're wealthy. You're choosing to still live in Lynchburg, mm-hmm. where Liberty is. You're not. You could move to like Florida. You could move to somewhere far away. Start a new life, right? Away from the cameras. They're not doing that. They're yeah. sticking around. Maybe hoping they can yeah. get a second chance at some point. I don't know. But well, it's like I don't know why you want me to feel bad for you. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not really doing anything that suggests uh, we did anything that wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It all sucks because, like, I do feel sorry for for Becky. Like, and I'm I listen. I haven't been paying close attention to him, but he does not seem like a very good and attentive husband or lover. So I can't imagine she's had a really satisfying life. 
I have no idea. And I wonder this when I've seen some of those fundy snark, uh, their posts online where it's women who grew up in those fundamentalist households. They got married young. Mm -hmm. And of course their brand is saying, yes, I was single for a while. Yes, I was abstinent until I got married. Now I am married. And let me tell you, everything is great, except when it's not. And everyone can totally tell when it's not. <sighs> and it's like, oh, sweetie, yeah. do, you, do you need to talk to someone else? Uh-huh. Do you need to read another book, uh-huh. maybe? And yeah, it just... I don't know how much of it is suppressed. I, I, mean, I don't care. I don't care about their personal lives. I really don't. Lives. I just wish they would uh, take into account that, like, the abstinent only, everything will be great once you mm-hmm. get married. It doesn't work in a lot of... Christians and former Christians have been trying to tell you that for a really long time. Well, and there's also the problem that if for 20 years you've been told that sex is horrible and evil and anytime you have a sexual thought, it's evil and wicked. I can't imagine it's until your wedding. Yeah, I can't imagine it's especially easy to just flip that (laughs) switch and be like, oh, I'm really comfortable standing naked in front of you. (laughs) This feels good and normal. I'm 20. I feel really secure in myself. Like it's. And it's you don't so know sad. what you like, you don't know what they like, no. you don't know what to do. You have to figure it out. Yeah. And I know there is part of that in their world that's the figuring out is the fun of it. Yeah. Sure, fine. Which, sure, I, More that's power great. to you. But I, my fear for a lot of those people is you won't know when something is wrong versus mm-hmm. things are just you're working them out. Mm-hmm. And they have no, uh, I don't know, like comparison to make that they think is a healthy one. Because it's like... Well, our sex life is not like blank. Right. It's like, what's blank? Because everything you fill in that blank uh-huh. is something you've always been taught is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Even Hollywood movies and their fictionalized like rom-com stuff. It's like, well, you're not supposed to watch that. Right. Because they do stuff in the movie. Yeah. Don't get the wrong idea Much about less love. whatever you see online or whatever. Yeah. Well, and I think there's also, I think it's always worth reminding Um, people that when women are talking about their unsatisfying sex lives, a lot of times we're not just talking about like, oh, she's not getting off or the sex isn't that great. In many uh, parts of Christianity, sex between husband and wife is at the husband's discretion. He gets to have sex whenever he wants to have sex. I mean, a woman is supposed to just be there for his needs. Yeah. And if he has an affair or something, that's her fault for not. Because she wasn't fulfilling. So like when you stack all of those things on top of each other, of like maybe it could be any number of things that plague even non-Christian marriages where people feel comfortable talking about it. Still people struggle with this. So, oh man, I don't know. Just like. My favorite (laughs) is when those couples that have been married for all of like seven days, Mm -hmm. like we've just written a book about having a successful marriage and sex life. Those, by the way, those are the best books to read. Have you read them? They're so much fun. Really? Oh my God. Are they horrible? So much. Should we read one for a bonus episode? We might want to. I'll find you a good one. All right. (laughs) Um, Let me jump to Mississippi so you know it'll end well. Uh, This is in the city of Ridgeland, Mississippi, where the mayor... Uh, the Madison County Library system there okay. was expecting like a quarterly check that they get from the city to uh-huh. do all the stuff they do. And they were expecting a $110,000 payment. That's what they expected. That was what was budgeted for them. Uh-huh. And they didn't get the check. And so they were like, hey, city, we're part of you. Uh, where's our check? And the answer was the mayor's not giving it to you. 
Oh. Uh, I should say $110,000 for the library system Mm -hmm. that we're talking about here. That's about 5% of everything they do. So... Of the whole city budget, you mean? uh, No. Oh. I think of their budget. I don't know how big this library system is, but it's a a chunk of their budget. They can function, but they need the money. Oh, you mean the hundred... Oh, I understand. I I was mixed up. uh, Of its yearly budget, I should say. So they were expecting this money. It's... Mm -hmm. They can't really function because they have to fill all the gaps in right. and that's what they need the money for. So they're like, well, why is the mayor withholding the money? And basically the short answer is that the mayor said, you need to purge all the homosexual materials oh. from your shelves because they violate his Christian beliefs. He then, according to uh, the library's uh, head, the mayor <laughs> said, it's usually where the words come out of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she said, he told me that the library can serve whoever we wanted, but that he only serves the great Lord above. Therefore, I don't know, gay books have to be banned, I guess, is the way what? this works. This is, Jesus, this is the thing that Christians are always accusing atheists of doing, and they're the only ones who do it, ever! The censorship and all that? Yeah! Yeah, specifically, he wanted to remove a book called, quote, The Queer Bible, and that is actually a book of essays about being LGBTQ. Yeah. And it's like, that's it. It's it's called Bible in a cutesy, yeah. like, yeah, this is a book that has everything you sure. need. Um, Wisdom, knowledge. It's not, I mean, even as far as controversial books go, this ain't one of them. Mm-mm. But that was the one he mentioned by name. But, but, and this is an important thing to point out, and even the reporter who broke this story tried to stress this point on Twitter. He's like, listen, before you dunk on Mississippi for being like this, uh, because of the mayor doing the Christian thing to be anti-gay, keep in mind, the library system is fighting this. The city council, who the librarian, the head librarian, went to and Uh said, I need my money, because the city council budgeted for that money. And they're like, well, does the mayor have the authority to just single-handedly, unilaterally, like, take back the check or something? Yeah, mayors are kings. Yeah. And the city council's like, yeah, he doesn't have the power to do that. And right now, they're just trying to figure this out internally and come to a normal resolution without having to deal with lawsuits and courts. But it's not beyond the possibility here, which is to say... Everyone except the mayor right now in this story is fighting on the right side of this to say, we want to offer these books to whoever wants them, Mm -hmm. needs them, wants to read them. We're a library. Yeah. This isn't about like, oh, this book offends you. Right. Therefore, we got to purge it for everybody. Right. It's a library. It has a lot of content. We have our uh, objective standards for how we select what books come in the library. Mm -hmm. But after that, if you don't like it, you don't have to read it. That's the end of it. Mm -hmm. Every library does this. It's fine. It's not anti-Christian or whatever. And the city council is like unanimously like, yes, we budgeted for this. You should have access to this money. They're going to find a way to get it. I should say the uh, mayor's name is Gene McGee. He's, what, what surprised me most, I think, about this story, his recent push to, like, you got to get rid of the gay books, that happened now. Mm-hmm. He's been mayor since, like, 89 or what? something. He's been there forever. So my question that I couldn't figure out the answer to is, why now? Why is he suddenly deciding this is the thing other than he's fallen into the rabbit hole of right-wing wow. media 
Like, that's incredibly weird. It's not like he just got elected two months that's ago. That's obviously this is what his, I assumed. Yeah, I did too. And I'm like, this guy seems older. Like he's funny. Yeah, what's up with that? Um, speaking of, um, I should say the board. I said city council. It's the board of aldermen. That's okay. who the librarians took it to. They have the power to make things right because they voted for the budget. They can make sure it happens. It's only if it fails sure. that they need to go to the courts. Okay. Um, do you have on there that they um, banned the graphic novel Mouse? I don't have it in this story. But no. yeah, I think, was that Tennessee? Uh, I thought it was a, Oklahoma, actually. Oh, it might have been. I didn't see that. But yeah, there was a school district that banned a graphic novel about the Holocaust mm-hmm. because this graphic novel somehow offended them with, I don't know, nudity, Apparently. cartoon nudity, and a mouse. I I read oh, that Oh, you're right. Lot. It is Tennessee. My I bad. I read the book a while back, and it's one of those like, okay, it's a very interesting story about the Holocaust. It's And it's told in a way, and I've not read yeah. it, but like it seems to be written specifically to help kids understand atrocities right. by scaling it down to a manageable... The same people who are like, we can't teach history because that might offend white kids or right. something like that are like, well, we can't teach them about the Holocaust in easily accessible ways. Right, what right. If, then they might grow anti-Holocaust it's or just something. so weird. Like, the Holocaust... Why is that a controversial thing? Is it because they're like prepping us for a fascist return? You said it. Yeah, I guess I really nailed it in one there, huh? (laughs) (laughs) What else? What else? Let's talk about Georgia. Uh, So there was a mayor who just got elected there. Okay. Um, And this is... You're not going to sneak that by me again. Uh, His name is Mario Avery. This Uh is in Fairburn, Georgia. He actually was mayor for, I think, like seven years. And then in 2017, he just said, I'm not running for re-election. It's like, are you explaining why? Mm -hmm. Nope. Just steps aside. His name is Mario Avery? Yeah. That's such an ambiguously ethnic (laughs) name. Like, it's just so like... What? That's a weird... Anyway, go ahead. It's all good. I like it. So someone... So there was a successor. Someone else became mayor in Uh 2017. And then uh, last year, he's like, I'm running again. Hey! Out of nowhere. And then he beats the woman who (laughs) took over his position. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? Oh, we'll see. So... So anyway, he's back in power. So which means he he's... You saying back in power does not feel like it's boding well for how the story <laughs> is going to go. <laughs> he, took his, he, he had to retake the oath of office uh-huh. and do all the I'm mayor now thing yeah. again. Put on so a sash. Earlier this month, he took his oath of office and goes through the... It's I watched the video of the city council meeting where uh-huh. they swear in the new members of the council wow. and swear in the mayor. Must be riveting television. Totally riveting. <laughs> I mean, it was very, very boring and mundane and uh-huh. nothing special about that. And then, so what happens is they swear everyone in, they say the oath, you have some family members here and there, fine, cute, whatever. Mm-hmm. After it's done, the mayor makes a speech just to the city council, the sure. three people who show up to the meetings, right? And you would think... His campaign slogan, by the way, was let's restore unity in our community, which is weird because I don't think they were suffering from unity, a lack of it. Also, it's A too long and B rhymes. Boo. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. So you would think his speech would be like, here's what I'm going to do to restore unity. Instead, what he did is he said, hey, everyone, grab your communion wine. Have a wafer if you want it. Uh, and he has one. He's, he, like, he opens his suit Where pocket. Where are we? Where is he? He's at City Hall or something. Oh, okay. He opens oh, up this, his okay. suit pocket, 
Grabs out a little portable, like, teacup of wine. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Opens it up so he could drink it. A little snack whiskey. <laughs> and he said, like, he takes communion. Like, not symbolic communion, but, like, wafer and wine. Asks everyone to join in. People watching, like, the live stream and the city council members. And he says, this is an act in my efforts to ask the city of Fairburn and its residents, its business owners, and all affiliates and associates to come in agreement with what we have to do and what's ahead of us. As if joining together to honor his God is the way to bring everyone together. Like, nothing like picking the most divisive force in history and claiming his brand of it (laughs) will bring everyone together. By the way, he even says in the speech, I got this idea because I did something like it back in 2009, quote, with 15 pastors. It's like, dude, you... What? All right, last time okay. you did it, it was within like a in church, a church? setting. Is, are you describing a church, sir? I don't know. Um, <laughs> does anybody do big, stupid, empty gestures better than a conservative Christian? No, I mean, that's kind of their like, whole Like, that's a whole now. fucking jam. There's... God, they love, like... Declaring days of prayer and fasting and taking communion, and then they get <laughs> they get into the office, and everyone's like, "Hey, how are you gonna make people's lives better?" And he's like, "I am not. I absolutely shan't and will not. And you can't make me. Right. Go fuck yourself. Go Jesus." <laughs> said nothing about potholes. Said yeah, nothing exactly. about roads. Unless these How's wafer- poverty rate right in your I, community, bud? Right. How's that doing? How's unless, your education rate? Unless you're using these wafers to fill up potholes, don't don't use it. How's your maternal death rate, bud? <laughs> I just want to look into what you got going on in the back burner there. Yeah. Uh, last story. I know it's early. The last big story that I wanted to bring up here is uh, I was shocked by this. A district. Uh, attorney mm-hmm. basically said, yeah, we arrested this dude. And here's the it's like the FBI involved in this, too. So they always put out these very straightforward press releases with like no emotion, just like the facts. It's like, yes, we arrested a man named Staccato Powell. He's 62 years old. Wow. Another very another, good name. Yeah. He Staccato Powell. Ch- check this out. He became a bishop of the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, which is a historically black church, AME Uh church. Um, He became one of their bishops uh, a couple years ago. And basically what that means for our purposes is that he oversees several congregations in his community. Okay, so what he does in 2016 is that he told one church, for example, hey, according to our rule book, it's called the Book of Discipline in their faith. Mm-hmm. He's like, according to this, I need you to sign your church building over, like, we need to put them all under one umbrella so okay. that it's not all disjoint. Like, it's, it's easier for sure. administrative purposes. And then he created his own little entity called the AME Zion Western Episcopal District. Okay, um, whatever. It, it, real tight language acronym, with these guys. Acronym is W-E-D, WED. Okay, so he's like, I need your building to come under WED. So WED owns the building. So Mm. I need your deed and your lease and whatever the heck that is. Um, And then he did that to other churches. And basically, all these churches didn't really have any mortgages. Pyramid scheming churches? Wow. So, like, these places didn't have any debt. 
they were doing fine financially. Okay. They didn't have to pay any mortgage or anything. But basically, this guy took over. Oh, yeah. And then... He's taking he, loans out against those churches, ain't he? He took loans sure out. fucking is. And they're like, well, if you want to take loans from us, what do we get from you if you don't pay it back? And he's <laughs> like, I got like 14 churches. And they're like, interesting. Here's $14 million. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Damn! And by the way, I should say, when he went to these churches and he's like, give me your church... I should say, there were some church leaders who said, this sounds like a bad idea. Uh-huh. And so what did he do? He removed them from positions of leadership to the uh... point where they could not meet and like meet quorum and have their meetings, which gave him leeway to do whatever the hell he wanted. Holy shit, these people have no bottom. <laughs> no bottom they won't sink no. to to make a buck. And so it said, uh, like the arrest, the arrest <laughs> document said, he secured 22 short-term high-interest loans oh. from the real estate equivalent of payday lenders. Oh, uh, so I'm sorry. This is actually... Loan say, sharks? Are you describing loan yeah, sharks? This is actually courtesy of a separate lawsuit that was filed against him. Oh, my God. Um, what was that one I got about? I, some of these churches, when they figured out what was happening, uh-huh. they sued him. Him personally it. or and his I, like LLC? I, you don't know. Uh, Why do I care? I don't care? remember the specific there. Um, but they went after him, and like one of them was very clear, where they said, because we gave up our church to him, uh, his loans amounted to nearly $3.9 million. And this is money that the church was now on the hook for, because if he couldn't repay the loans, the oh building Oh my God, would they're going to foreclose on their churches, yeah. so, and then we're going to turn them into cool dormitories for no, homeless that, people. That's what they should do. But no, they're just in this dude's control to do whatever he does, because I don't know what he's doing with the money. But huh. last year, the AME church basically said, you're not going to be a bishop anymore. They stripped him of his title. This is... Within their right God, to I do. God, I forget who's a bishop. Jesus. Yeah. Um, they stripped him of his title. <laughs> bishop and he's Harold like, Hill. He said, well, guess what? I'm going to keep calling myself bishop. You can't stop me. So I went to his Facebook page, and yep, he's still bishop, staccato, whatever. Love that. <laughs> and he's still doing Bible readings and Bible services, like, weekly. Boy, oh boy, <laughs> they're all nightmares, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so anyway. Oh my God, this is so funny. This week... He was arrested on charges of conspiracy, wire fraud, and mail fraud. Nice. Ooh, mail fraud. I'm reading from the actual uh, statement here Uh from the Justice Department. The indictment alleges that after taking control of the church properties, Powell, Quintana, one of his associates, Mm. and others used the real estate as collateral to obtain high-interest loans exceeding $14 million in proceeds. Dot, dot, dot. This all includes the... Oh, they also found that this dude, he acquired property in North Carolina. Um, He had retiring mortgage debt on his personal residence in North Carolina that Mm. he was using this loan money to pay off his personal stuff. Mm -hmm. And there were cash payments to his associate's spouse. So like this $14 million, he's using to enrich himself and not not the community, not the church, nothing else. Like, Shocked and appalled. Man, big sc- here's what made me a little optimistic about this. The AME church clearly thought they had a good guy on their hands, made uh-huh. him a bishop. They realized pretty quickly this is not a good guy. Uh-huh. The only thing they could do, there are lawsuits, but that's outside the church's purview. Mm. They could strip him of his title so he has no religious authority. Mm-hmm. They did that. Mm-hmm. The lawsuits, I don't know what the outcome of the individual lawsuits were, but clearly the crime was big enough 
that the Justice Department could get involved, and they did. It took a secular court wow. with secular arguments to bring down this religious leader who's still trying to get away with being a voice of religious authority. Because if you look at Facebook, you would never know anything happened to this guy. They will do anything to protect their own, huh? Yeah. If he's convicted, he'll face a judge next week. If he's eventually convicted uh-huh. of these charges, because these are all charges uh-huh. and allegations, um, he faces up to 20 years in prison. He's 62 now. Uh-oh. Uh, a fine of up to a quarter million dollars. And three more years of supervised release if he ever gets out. So hmm. this is very serious. Yeah, good. But uh, it took a long while for him to kind of get caught and arrested. Yeah. And, and to these, real accountability. Yeah, this kind of thing gives us, uh, you know, we don't see it very often, seeing people have the consequences of their action. Yeah. Um, I have a story before we, yeah. uh, before we wrap up. Um, so there was, in uh, Detroit, WJBK, um, had a televised debate between an abortion advocate and a anti-choice advocate. Okay. Um, the on the sh- news? On the news. Interesting. The show is called, are you ready for this? Okay. Let it rip. <laughs> is this like their weekend morning, like we have time to fill, so we're going to do local oh, debates? I mean, it's definitely, it was on a Sunday, so I think okay. you're really reading that well. <laughs> all right, all right. So they have a debate. And so they're having a debate, and apparently this is not unusual. Um, there was a uh, an abortion activist whose name is Jex Blackmore. Oh, Jex. Oh, you know Jex? My Satanist friends. <gasps> oh, fun. Yay. We're not friends. We're acquaintances, like oh. we've talked before. So Jex, do you know they're... Oh, her. Okay. I just didn't... Jex is a really gender-neutral name, so I didn't want to... I believe they were involved in one of those satanic temple type of things. Mm. God, I hope I'm not wrong and just talking (laughs) off out of my ass here, but... Um, so anyway, so she um, was, so we've, people have been talking a lot about the mail, uh, the abortion pill by mail, um, because it's really a very safe thing that can be delivered by mail, and the FDA finally agrees with that. Um, so she was, so Blackmore, Blackmore was discussing how easy, you know, what a medical abortion actually looks like, and she holds up a little pill, and she said, um, this is the first of two pills that a person would have to take to terminate a pregnancy. And I'm going to show you how easy and safe it is to take it. And pops it in her mouth and drinks it. <laughs> and Because I, that in itself doesn't cause an abortion. Right. Right. It, yeah. Um, now, <laughs> So she takes the abortion I pill takes the first abortion of two. Live on the news. Yeah. And I implore you to go watch this clip and watch the host's reaction because it's like he sees a ghost. Like, it's really, he's like, you're not, you're, you're not pregnant, are you? Like, he didn't, I don't know why I did that accent. Like, he was a 1940s broadcaster. Was um, she pregnant? Did she say she was? Or was she just like, I mean, this has no effect on I would on say me. this is going to end a pregnancy. This would be my third abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, she, um, oh, Rebecca Kissling. She's the person who was the pro, the anti-abortion yeah. thing. Apparently she just broke down in tears afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so scary and How sad when somebody takes a, her body. <laughs> takes a pill and has a real heavy period. It just <laughs> breaks my heart, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, um, two weeks after that, the Biden administration eliminated a longstanding rule that abortion pill medication um, needed to be dispensed in person, which is great news. 
um, for people who need abortions for whatever reason they feel like they need an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to end with what Blackmore said afterwards. Abortion is a common and safe procedure surrounded by stigma. Stigma keeps people silent about their personal experiences and creates space for harmful, inaccurate narrative. My action was intended to dispel some of those myths and misinformation and stigma. Good for her. Yeah, so... I was really happy with that. That's that was very a, a really interesting thing. The man, truly, it was all worth it for that gentleman's gobsmacked face. I'm looking at the article that you're looking at, and it says that the anti-abortion uh, person who was on that same thing, yeah, the one who cried, she wrote on Facebook. She <laughs> she began the process of killing her baby on TV. Like so dramatic. Down. Jeez, Louise, kids. <laughs> Oy, oy, oy. Do you know how many um, times she's probably been on TV doing interviews with people suffering like miscarriages, but like not publicly so. Mm-hmm. But this stuff happens all the time. I have been on this show mid miscarriage. Like <laughs> these things absolutely happen all right. of the time, and maybe everybody should fucking chill out for right. a second because maybe we can trust women to deal with their own bullshit I for do, like once. I do appreciate that sort of thing where it's just like, look, this is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Look, it, I took it. It's done. I. It's the same reason. I, I'm not trying to compare the stuff, but like it's the same reason it was so important to see so many prominent people getting vaccinated like early during the pandemic when the vaccines were available, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but also on live TV. It's like, Oh yeah. This a little is sting. not scary. Yeah. And uh, that stuff is important. And there have been, I think there was a Ted talk a while ago with James Randi where he's just like, these are homeopathic sleeping pills or something. Right. I have an amazing homeopathy story that I was planning on telling you in the bonus episode. Oh. Let that be a hook for people. Cause there it's you a, go. Am I allowed to finish this one? Yes. Yeah, so (laughs) during that TED Talk, which I'm sure is still around, Mm -hmm. James Randi basically explained the problems with homeopathy. Mm -hmm. He's like, these are homeopathic sleeping pills. They have no effect Mm because that's what homeopathy is. And then he just downs the entire thing. And by the way... Like an entire bottle of quote-unquote sleeping pills. Right, because they're not sleeping pills. Mm -hmm. They're like placebo, sugar pills, whatever. And by the way, when some groups... I don't know if in the U.S., but in the U.K. maybe, when they were trying to argue that drugstores, pharmacies, should not sell this stuff as if it is legit medicine, they've stood outside the store in protest, Mm -hmm. and a way to raise awareness was, we're all going to take these bottles, and look, we're fine. Nothing happened, because these aren't sleeping pills. Doing that sort of, I mean, quote-unquote, stunt, was it for, like... I assume Blackmore knew exactly what she was doing and the effect it would have, which mm-hmm. is more, I mean, more power to her for mm-hmm. knowing what she was doing there. Um, and that stuff makes a difference because I don't know what people think is going to happen. Right. If you take a pill. You're totally answer, explo- It's like that's yeah. an alien. Yeah. <laughs> which is what I'm sure the anti-abortion side wants you to think. Like, oh, that's ah, how Donald Trump killing. It described like- abortion during a debate. It was wild shit. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm very excited to wow. tell you the story. It's, I love it's a, that. That's it's a nuts one. No, truly, the thing with homeopathy is I was getting, like, a nasal decongestion or something like that the other day, and I was just, like, looking at the brands, and I picked up a bottle to read it, and it, like, in teeny tiny letters at the bottom said homeopathy, and I was like, <laughs> bah! Did I ever tell you that when, okay, so when I was a kid, um, if, let's say, I got hurt, I sprained my ankle or something, mm-hmm. um, one of the things my mom would do 
is is rub some shit on my ankle and like this will make you feel better. And truth is, it usually always did. Why? Because I wasn't seriously injured. Yeah. So of course, whatever injury it's I like had. kiss the boo boo, Jesus. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Um, but it always smelled very nice, and it just did a thing. Like so, when I was an adult, like let's say mid twenties. I fell down somewhere in my apartment. It's when you were running, uh, running that 5K? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. I was running a two-step in my apartment, <laughs> and I must have fallen down to the point where I'm like, I don't think I can stand up without help. Oh, no. And like to the point where I'm like, I need to call my parents who live not too far. Yeah. Like, can you come and help me? Because I'm in pain right Bless now. Bless your sweetheart. I know. They came. And of course, that's what my mom did again, right? Like, here, I brought this thing. And so now... Do you know what it is? Now I'm older. So now, of course, I'm like, what is this thing that you've been rubbing on my painful spots when I was a kid? So now I'm looking at thing. And it had the same sort of... It's something you buy at Indian stores. Mm. And it totally said homeopathic on it. And I'm like, oh, this is all bullshit. It just smells nice. That was honestly the first time that I can personally remember where it's like... I really did think when I was younger, sure. this helps me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like, and I just never thought to look. Yeah. The thing with, with homeopathy and with like psychic healing and all of those things is that the reality is usually our bodies get better on their own. And slash or, you know what feels really nice? Your mom paying special attention right, to you right, and right. rubbing things <laughs> and telling you you're the handsomest boy and you're going to be the best doctor <laughs> in all the world. She tried that. It yeah. Didn't work. Did yeah. it go good? No. <laughs> like it's. Yeah, of course. I feel like my dad was saying he used um, like maybe CBD oil or something like that. And I don't know a ton about CBD oil, but I do know that because the FDA doesn't cover it, they don't have an obligation oh, to put fucking anything <laughs> in there. Um, so that's my only thing. And my dad was like, yeah, I was using it on my knee and it like felt really good. And I was like, do you think it's because you were just like rubbing your knee for right. a couple of minutes? Because I bet that felt really good, which right. who fucking knows? It's I'm sure it helped, but like. It Moral of the just... story, go Jacks. Nicely done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was great. Where do we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Jess Bloomke and um, on Etsy at Bitches Get Stitch Done. I will not be here next week. Um, I'm going on a, a vacation. Look at you. Um, I will be around next week, and I am not telling you who I'm interviewing, but there will be a special interview that I'm super excited I'm about. Jealous. And I think I think a lot of you will uh, appreciate the person I talk to. You'll find out next week. Yeah, I do miss cool interviews because I have a thriving <laughs> traveling social life, you know? Uh, you can find me at Hemet <laughs> Meta on Twitter. Go to onlysky.media. It's a cool site. There's so many interesting articles. Uh, let me plug one of them. That's not one of my own. Oh, cool. Uh, my friend uh, James Croft wrote an article leading an mm-hmm. ethical culture society in St. Louis, arguing that there's something broken about that system, which does so much good for so many people, mm-hmm. which is why he was a part of it and helps lead it. Mm. And he says, but our system here is broken and we need to fix it. Does he mean in a micro level or like a country macro level? At or a both? macro level for the whole, like, we're trying to create a movement here. Mm. It's broken. Let's fix it. I see. I see. Very interesting. I know it's very controversial in the circles that care about ethical culture sort of things. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I only bring that up to say it's not the sort of thing I would write. Mm -hmm. It's not my wheelhouse. Yeah, that's not. But that's the cool thing I like about Only Sky, Mm -hmm. which is there's a lot of perspectives, a lot of people writing about things they care about deeply. Mm 
just check it out. It's free. It's cool. Go look at it. Yeah, it's it's, it's cool because you kind of consider that, and I'm not affiliated with with only Sky, and it's all but, secular atheist perspectives right. coming to the table here when I say yeah, all that. And I'm not affiliated with it, but I I would say I think it's worth looking into, even if you like listen to our podcast and feel like or read Hemant's blog and feel like you have a good grasp on what's going on. But like we don't do long research think pieces. Right, we do right. very reactionary off the cuff, like this is what's going on right now. Right. So yeah, I mean, there's I think a lot it's, of those well-researched, thought-out mm-hmm. pieces that have been in the works, I should say, for months for so, certain people. Oh God, like, when I so, wrote when I wrote for Friendly Atheist, I would turn something around in an hour. Like <laughs> damn well better. Uh, cool. We'll see Jess in two weeks. You'll see me next week. Thank you for listening. Go to Patreon.com/slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. Bye. Have a good one.